Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, absolutely stuffed from pizza and wings. It is the Vince Quinn Show. I'm I'm a good like I, I was losing weight on the diet, then I put like four pounds on on first round of the draft. <laughs> I was sweating a bit for a while though. The, the thing about the draft is there is so much when you don't have one of those top picks and it was starting to kind of come together. Once you get to the middle and it's this Wild West scenario, you just sweat like crazy. The Eagles pulled it off. I feel good about that. Graceffo, I don't know how you feel about the Jets. I thought they did great. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think there's any, like, unbridled joy that comes with the Jets at this stage. No. (laughs) From anybody. They were picking a pick earlier, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I like Wilson, though. I like Wilson. We'll see where it goes. They drafted him offensive lineman. Great mom? Yeah, he's got a great mom. Uh, I, I didn't see that, but I Check guess it out. I guess I will. Um, so, a lot of things to get into, though, as we go through the draft. And obviously, there's just a million things that happened during the NFL draft. But I couldn't believe it. Uh, the, the bigger story, obviously, is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you see this, the whole news coming out the day of the first round of the draft, and when you see it drop like that, where it's Hey, uh, the San Francisco 49ers have offered the third pick in the draft and some other stuff to go and get Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers wanted them to do the deal, and the Packers said no. That changes everything. I mean, this is one of the biggest stars in the biggest sport trying to get out of town, getting a major power struggle. And there was all sorts of news that went along with that throughout the night on the first round of the draft and throughout the weekend, including today at the Kentucky Derby, where we got a sort of update from Aaron Rodgers. So a lot of things going on with this situation. And what I want to do is first, because there was so much that went on and with the draft coverage and trying to keep up with everything, it's just a lot of stuff with Rodgers. So what exactly happened? How bad is it? Why is this happening? And what is Aaron Rodgers looking for? Those are the things that we're going to get into here in just a moment. But first, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. So, yes, Aaron Rodgers, you get the reports that he wants out of town, that the 49ers are interested. From there, you go, wait, what? And then as that's going on, you find out that, yeah, he does not want to be back. And, in fact, he wants the general manager fired rather than come back. So you go, okay, this is serious. Like, there is posturing. There's stuff done that involves getting a new contract. This feels like something more. Then you get a list of destinations. Okay, he is interested in San Francisco. That makes a lot of sense. Also, Aaron Rodgers interested in the Raiders. Really? Yes, the Raiders and the Denver Broncos. There was a point during the draft where it looked like the Broncos might be the team. There was a point early in the first round where it was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on. And, like, Twitter was blowing up. It was like Aaron Rodgers, Denver Bronco. And, obviously, that does not happen. So, now we get through the draft, and Aaron Rodgers is still in Green Bay, although clearly not just happy or or unhappy, but miserable. 
And so this is a big, ugly, tangled web here, okay? Because Mike Tirico was at the Kentucky Derby. He talked to Aaron Rodgers, said, hey, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't come on camera, yada, yada, yada. But he's definitely not happy with the organization, and it's a rift. Like, all sorts of words, it's implied separation. And again, this is not just financial. But the money does matter. So trying to figure out the situation with Rodgers, with the Packers, how bad is it? How can they fix it? Let's talk about money first because money is the big, most important thing in all of this, right? As much as we love the game and the sport and we obsess with the teams and everything, it's a business, okay? So Aaron Rodgers, the businessman, what is the situation like for him? Why is this all happening now? How does it relate to the business? Well, a big part of this for Aaron Rodgers, here's the thing you have to consider. The guy's 37 years old, right? At this age, with where his contract is right now, this is very likely his last big payday. Look at what quarterbacks make. Look at what he's making right now. He's making somewhere in the ballpark of $38 million this year. Aaron Rodgers is getting paid like crazy. You see guys like... Patrick Mahomes getting $50 million a year, right? Like quarterbacks make crazy amounts of money. For Aaron Rodgers right now, if he wants to make more money as much as he can on the way out, this is the spot to do it. This is what he's got left. He's got to milk everything out of this situation with his contract. And the thing is, he's got the highest leverage he could ever possibly have. Think about the advantage that Aaron Rodgers has going into this situation, the kind of weight that he brings to the table, because he's the MVP, right? Just on the simplest, most obvious football level. He's a football player looking for a football contract. He is the best player in football. Okay, that's leverage. How do you look at a guy that's the MVP and go, you know, you're not worth more money. You know, you're not worth a longer commitment for another year or two. He's 37 years old. What does that mean? How much does 37 scare you? I'm asking you, listening right now, your home, your car, at work, wherever you are, streaming it, whatever. How much does the age 37 scare you from a quarterback? 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 2005, when Aaron Rodgers gets drafted, that scares you. You're looking at it, you're going, this is the end. It's only a matter of time. It might be weeks until it's done. 37 now, you look at it and you go, oh, his future's so bright. He's still in the middle of his career. He can play till he's 49. You never know. So when you're looking around at a situation like this, for Aaron Rodgers, there is still a shelf life argument that you can make that paying him at the age of 37 coming off an MVP season, it's not a mistake that ruins the franchise, but it's just the obvious and simple, easy, right thing to do. Is it? Probably. (laughs) It probably is, right? He's Aaron Rodgers. It's not like he's a sloppy player, that he's never taken this seriously, that this is the first time he's ever rattled off an amazing season. He's a guy that's been around for forever. He's been amazing from the moment he got the chance to start. And for him to be doing this at 37, it wasn't necessarily the expectation, but it's not a surprise either. And so when you're Green Bay and you're looking at this, it's hard to make the argument against paying Aaron Rodgers. And for Rodgers, he goes into this with all of the leverage on his side because it is the MVP. But also, here's the other thing, too. The popularity of Aaron Rodgers has grown over the past couple of years. 
Think of all the places that you see. I mean, we've seen him in commercials for forever, but now the different public appearances that he makes, being on on the radio every week and talking. Like, he's grown as a personality. He might be the host of Jeopardy. That could very well be his job. He's got a real chance at it. He said a bunch of times that he wants that job. And think about what it means about the popularity of Aaron Rodgers, the attraction of Aaron Rodgers, that a game show doesn't just bring him on for a week and like, ha-ha, look at this novelty. You know, how many episodes of, uh, how many seasons of Dancing with the Stars have had an athlete? Basically every single one. Even if they get out in the first round, who cares? You've got a professional athlete. You get that football audience. You bring it in, right? There's something to be said for that on a short-term basis. This is naming him potentially the host of Jeopardy, okay? The guy is popular. The guy is well-liked. He's well-known. So for him, that's leverage. That's not the end-all, be-all Jeopardy. Obviously not. But being an MVP, paired with the popularity, paired with Jeopardy, all those things together are pretty damn good. The fact that his age can continue to give you good football for another couple of years, that looks pretty damn good. So on the money side of this, it makes all the sense in the world for Aaron Rodgers to apply this pressure now and apply it in all of the big moments. It's not a surprise that it comes out the moment before the draft, right? Because what happens once you get that leverage? Now, every team in the NFL, if they knew about it or didn't, that Aaron Rodgers is available, well, now it's draft night. You've got first-round picks to burn, and you have Aaron Rodgers on the table? I mean, yeah, you you like Justin Fields, but what if Aaron Rodgers, you're going to make that call. You're going to do what you can to see if you can get that guy. So for Rodgers, it's okay. You're not going to pay me the money. Well, somebody else will. Let me put this out. Let's see who trades for me, and they'll give me the contract. Because plenty of people are going to be happy to pay Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what fan you're a team of, obviously. But for you, with the team, whatever team you like, would you consider Aaron Rodgers as your starting quarterback? Would you be okay if Aaron Rodgers was paid 40 to $45 million over the next couple of years to be the starter of your team? Do you think you could win a Super Bowl? And I think odds are, outside of a handful of teams, you would go and make that move. And you'd be okay with it. So for Aaron Rodgers... This is, again, the leverage. He's using the leverage to try to get the money. The other thing is, and and this is also important here when you think about the shelf life of an older quarterback and the situation that Aaron Rodgers is in. Because, again, it's not just what is going on here, but how did we get here? How do you solve the problem? When you're looking at it with Aaron Rodgers, a big issue here is security. Security is a huge deal. Because think about the situation right now. They could restructure some things and move around some cash and yada, yada, yada. But if it gets to a point where Jordan Love plays this year, Aaron Rodgers misses a couple of weeks. He has a separated shoulder. He misses eight weeks. Jordan Love comes in. He looks good. He looks pretty good. Like, not amazing, but wow, okay, second-year quarterback finally getting his chance. He's not bad. You don't exactly have security if you're Aaron Rodgers. Now, it might sound crazy because he's the reigning MVP, but if they're looking to transition and this kid is getting an opportunity and he doesn't look awful, then it is easier. It makes it more complicated to go and say, you know, we're just going to throw him back on the bench and keep playing Aaron. If their intent is to get him out there, then Aaron Rodgers has a threat. He is a threat to his job right here and right now, as silly as that sounds, as a reigning MVP. It's a threat. So he wants security. 
he wants to know that he doesn't have to worry about that of getting an injury, uh, any sort of injury this year and Jordan Love can take his job or at least cause the conversation about it. He wants to know that, hey, if I get hurt and I come back or, or he even looks good and I come back, I'm still playing. It is my team. I there is no pre, or there is no future. I am the present, and that is all that matters. That's what he's looking to get. He doesn't want to look over his shoulder to a kid that hasn't played when he's a Hall of Famer, first ballot, bona fide, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. Has he earned that? You can make a pretty good case that he has. You certainly can. I would make that case. You might say, well, yeah, I mean, he's done all those things, and that's in the past, but he did win the MVP. So where is your argument? You see what I'm saying? But so for him, you look at the leverage of all of this, and he's also using it not just for the money, but for the security. How can I work out a contract that gets me in a situation where I know that Jordan Love is not a threat? Where I know that Jordan Love doesn't have anything to do with me other than if I play awful football for a long period of time or I'm horrifically injured. That's it. He wants it to be his team. He wants the status that he's earned over the years of being a Hall of Famer that's won a Super Bowl that continues to get to NFC Championship games. So he wants the security. He wants the status. He wants the money. And and with all of this, it does have to do with respect. Because one of the things that came out with this, and, and we can get into this a little bit later, is the idea that Rodgers was not told about Jordan Love getting drafted. That's one of the things that really bothers him, and it's something that lingers to today. Because for him to be annoyed about that in the moment, go out and fuel him to an MVP, I think it's a pretty easy argument to make that those two things are related. Not that it's exclusively because of Jordan Love, but clearly it's a factor. So when you go and make that move, and a year later, after he's won the MVP, he's still going, I'm still mad that they didn't tell me about this. I want my money. I don't want this guy being a threat. Well... Does he deserve that? Does he deserve to be told that they're drafting Jordan Love? Should he be over it by now? Because that seems to be a major part of this. If he feels like the franchise disrespected him by going after Jordan Love, by not telling him that Love was going to be drafted or they were considering a quarterback in general, and if now, as things have progressed over the last couple of years, as they've had chances to restructure his contract, talk about extensions, they've flown to his place a bunch of times and met with him. If in all of this time and all of this opportunity, they haven't been able to build a relationship that Rodgers can trust them. And even if they did some sort of restructure, because that's one of the major points here, they've offered a restructure, he won't take it. He wants security. He wants years. He wants more guaranteed dollars. And so if he doesn't trust the front office, then their ability to get a deal here is going to be brutal. And how much money do you have to overpay to make up for that? How many years do you have to give up that you didn't want to to get him to sign? And at what point is it worth it? So that's the thing that makes all of this really complicated. On some level, it's obvious. Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's using his leverage to get more money. He's using his leverage to secure his job. But... If the personal nature of this is going to blow the whole thing up, then this is a completely unpredictable, volatile situation. Could he retire? It doesn't make sense. Financially speaking, it doesn't make sense. 
He's making all this money late in his career. That's why he wants to make the big money now. It could go away. So make as much money as you can. Does it make sense for him to sit financially? No. But if he doesn't trust them, he doesn't think they respect him, and he feels like that's his only option, and it's a pride thing, maybe he does. Rationality can go out the door when you don't have that respect, when you don't have that trust, when it is personal. And so this is just a a crazy situation. And there's a lot of, I mean, seriously, there's like a billion things to talk about with this. So if you want to get in, I would love to hear how you feel about this whole Aaron Rodgers situation. 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports Radio. You can always get in on Twitter, at It's Vince Quinn, on Instagram, at It's Vince Quinn. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. You draft Jordan Love and you rock the boat. That's just what happens. And for the Packers, I mean, God, it's what a disaster it's been. I mean, really, like, can you imagine being Jordan Love right now? Can you imagine what his life is like? Every tweet, I'm gonna have to look up his Twitter account. <laughs> I wonder if he's on there. Let's see. Is Jordan Love on Twitter? Okay, he is. This will be interesting. Uh, when was his last one? April 24th. Okay. It's been a couple of days since we've heard from Mr. Jordan Love. I think that's in his best interests. I can't imagine what it will look like for him, but that's the thing. He's put in an impossible situation now because this kid who does nothing other than exist and be a football player that happens to get drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Well, now He's squarely in the situation where you've got one of the best players that's ever played the game, and he hates the team because you're on it. You know, it's just an awful spot for the kid. And here's the thing about it is for Aaron Rodgers, with this situation where he's okay with getting traded, where he wants the general manager fired, I mean, you don't see this kind of stuff often, right? Like, this is occasionally you see it with a head coach, and we saw this a couple of years ago with Mike McCarthy, and he's out. But I don't know if I've seen or the last time that I've seen a player say they want the general manager fired for them to step back into the building rather than just request a trade. He wants him fired. Okay, that's all the reporting right now. What a horrible spot to be in. I mean, the Packers have just blown this in every way imaginable. And so now you've got a situation where when Rodgers is using all this leverage that he's got to go and get a new deal, you have to wonder what that deal is going to look like. What is he trying to accomplish? Well, he's 37. This could be his last big payday. Yes, that is part of it. You get the money while you can. Winning an MVP, I mean, what are the odds Rodgers wins another MVP? What are the odds he gets to another NFC championship game? Got to use what you got. 
You got to use what you got. I mean, he could get injured in a week. We don't know. You you just got to for if you ask Kyle Shanahan, he could be dead on Sunday. We just we don't know. So who knows what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? He doesn't know. So you got to use what you got. You got to live in the moment. You got to use your leverage when you got it. But thinking about what his contract could look like, because if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I got to think about the common sense of this situation. The common sense is I want my job security to go through Jordan Love's contract window. I want to basically erase Jordan Love. That's very likely his goal. Make as much money as you can. Override that kid's contract. Get rid of his value. Think of what Tom Brady did to Jimmy Garoppolo. It got to the point where it was like, all right, this is the end of the line for Garoppolo. We drafted him a couple of years ago. Brady's been great. Now what are you going to do? Okay, well, let's uh, let's trade him. We just don't have another choice. Brady's playing well. What are you going to do? And they won Super Bowls without Jimmy Garoppolo. They were just fine. They made a pick. They hedged the bet. They decided to give up on that hedge. They went with a great player, and they won. So for Aaron Rodgers, you want to do the same thing. You either want to make it a point where your contract is set up in a point where Jordan Love stays the whole time and he never plays. It's your job. Or they just move him because they realize, okay, well, we drafted this guy and we're paying this guy and it causes a weird situation and we're just better off dealing him for whatever pick it is and starting over and signing some veteran backup, whatever it might be. But there's no way because the whole thing is Rodgers doesn't want to restructure. He doesn't want to move around because a lot of this, a lot of times can be just getting more guaranteed money. So if you get some of this stuff that, hey, well, you're owed $40 in the last year of your deal, but you're only guaranteed six, well, maybe you want to get 15 guaranteed. You know what I mean? 20 guaranteed. Like you move guaranteed money around, and that makes a deal work when you restructure. But in a situation like this, he wants years. That's the thing. Jordan Love's gone through a year of his contract now. He's got three years left on the contract itself. Then you get a fifth-year extension. Aaron Rodgers wants to gobble all of that up. He just wants to get a big old eraser and just scrub that whole thing away. He wants to cover the whole deal. So right now, Rodgers is locked in this year, pretty much. Like They they could eat a lot of money if they get rid of him, and it, it might get to that point. But if he stays, then okay, he's already got this contract added on. So what's the extension? If they had three years to the deal, Jordan Love's gone through two seasons. There's three years on the extension. His contract is over. Even if there's a fifth-year option, it is over. It's done. He doesn't get a single moment where it is clearly his team. Unless it's that fifth year, he's still there. They exercise the option, and now they're like, all right, well, Aaron's 42, 41. Let's go ahead and finally give Jordan Love a go. And at that point, Maybe it's palatable to do it. Maybe it's not so outrageous to do it. But you can't make that move right now when Rodgers is playing this well. You just can't do it. How do you justify it? How do you sell that to a fan base? Like, I know we're on in Milwaukee. You know, like, do you want that? Would you be okay with Aaron Rodgers walking? Would you want to see that as a Packers fan? Is that okay? Is there any scenario where you're you're good with anything other than they signed Aaron Rodgers for the next two, three years? It's a very tough sell. It's a very tough sell. Could they build around Jordan Love? Maybe. But how do you sell that to people right now? 
And how bad do you look if it doesn't work? It's just not worth the risk. So 855-212-4227, that's how you join the show. But again, if, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I just go, I get a three-year extension, I cover all of Jordan Love's contract, and I figure it out from there. But you get that security of knowing you're the guy, of not looking over your shoulder, of having the team being built for right now, because that's part of the problem of drafting Love in the first place. They draft a quarterback, they go to the NFC Championship game. Okay, well, what did he do? Well, he sat on the bench. He looked good doing it. Okay, great. That helped us get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So now you start drafting for the moment. Now you start drafting for Rodgers. For as long as Jordan Love is there and he's got the option of being the guy, the Packers are always going to look at it at some level of hedging the bet. Yes, we can draft a guy right now for Aaron Rodgers, but also... If it's not exactly the perfect fit for Aaron right now, we're not maxing him out. Well, we do have Jordan and we are building a team and it's about keeping the window open rather than going for it right now. You go for it right now. You go for it right now with this team. Like they owe it to themselves, to the fan base, to Aaron Rodgers to go all in on this guy playing like this. You've seen the stats. You've heard the stats over the years. I mean, go back through Super Bowl winning quarterbacks since like the year 2000. I mean, it's basically Brady, Roethlisberger, Rodgers, Breeze, Peyton Manning. It's like those guys and, you know, Trent Dilfer, who I I think we all agree is just about as good as Tom Brady. Brad Johnson, maybe better than Tom Brady. Best Buccaneers quarterback of all time, Brad Johnson. Uh, (laughs) Joe Flacco. Yeah, like outside of those few guys that kind of squeak through, you look around, it's a lot of the established all-time great kind of guys. You got to ride the wave. You got to go all in. It's, it's your only choice. And for Rodgers, you just wipe the whole slate clean with Jordan Love. You just get rid of him and you do it through a contract. So if you want to get in and talk about it, because again, there's just a billion elements to this thing. 855 212 4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports Radio, joined by my temporary co host, Milan in Toronto. Milan, what's going on? Oh, buddy, I, I thought I was never going to get on here. But think about it, man. Aaron Rodgers can go anywhere he wants and get paid. He's Aaron Rodgers. He'll take Tony Romo's job tomorrow if he wants to. I don't off it. Yeah, and sorry. Um, this is a family-friendly show, folks. So let's let's do this. With Aaron Rodgers, could he go to a lot of places and get paid? Yes, absolutely. All those places could pay him, you know. But part of the problem is that. You do want to be in a place. One, it's hard to leave. He's been there for 16 years, okay? It's not easy. Like, have you been at a job? Now, I'm a younger guy. I've not had this situation. But have you ever been at a job for a long time and been offered to move? Like, that happened to my dad when we were growing up. My dad got, you you know, living in the neighborhood more or less where he grew like 20 minutes from where he grew up. His whole family's in the area. He's been here his whole life. And then he gets a job offer to leave Philly and go to Minnesota. And he's like, all right, well, the money's going to be better. And I'd get more responsibilities and better status and all that stuff. But also I'm moving all my kids. Everybody that I've ever known is just gone. I've got to relearn where everything is, like where the supermarket is. And if I need to pick up stuff for a party, where am I going? Where is that located? What exists? Where's a nice restaurant to go to? You got to figure out your whole life. You got to rebuild everything. And to do that, 
when you're moving from one place to another, you just don't want to move. At some point, when you've been around long enough, even if the offer is really tempting somewhere else, you just don't want to get up and uproot yourself. So I don't blame him if he wants to stay in Green Bay, the place where he's been this whole time, especially if he believes in Matt LaFleur, who supposedly has not had much input either in these things with the team and how it's run and drafting Jordan Love. That was a report that came out in the past, I don't know, 24 hours, I guess. There's just been so much news. It's hard to keep track of the timeline. But that came out very recently. Matt LaFleur, head coach, was not involved in the Jordan Love decision. wasn't his call. So when you're looking around like this, yeah, I mean, if he believes in LaFleur, if he believes in the team, if he's been there for such a long time, I can understand why he wants to stay. If you can get the money and stay where you're at and use this power play to get a little more leverage, to get a little say, then yeah, that's better. You know, it's you want to improve the places around you rather than move to a new place and, and figure out a whole new different system. If it gets to the point where it's completely broken, and it might be, it might be, then maybe retirement or a trade, maybe it's inevitable. But for the Packers, as much as they're trying, I, I don't know if there's anything that really solidifies the deal more than just saying, here's a contract. We extend you for three years. Jordan Love basically doesn't exist anymore. It's your team. I mean, is there really another solution? Because for the Packers, he's too important. He's too good. It's hard to sell to the fans. If he sits out for the year, what does that look like? I mean, God forbid Aaron Rodgers forces himself into retirement, and now Jordan Love is out there, and every single thing he does is not just magnified, but magnified times a million. Is that a good spot for the team? Is that a good situation for Jordan Love? Like, there's so many problems that come from all of this. I don't know if they can get it right. So we'll keep talking about it. There's a billion things to say, again, with Aaron Rodgers. If you want to join the show, 855-212-4227. That's how you get in, 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn here, and easy to get in touch with me also. If you can't call in, you can find me on Twitter, at It's Vince Quinn. Hit me up there. You can find me on Instagram, at It's Vince Quinn. So plenty more with Aaron Rodgers and the personal feud on the other side. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. The morning show begins. Welcome into hour two of the program. I got to tell you, one of the things that, as I'm watching the draft, they do this more and more now. They're giving you more access to the different elements of drafting, especially with social media these days. Because, hey, anything that happens is content, baby. You got to get that content machine rolling. Content rules everything around me. Cream. Now, here's the thing. You look around and some of it is great. Some of it's awful. Let me let me give you the awful, okay? I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, which uh, some of you may or may not know. Sometimes I'm happy about it. Mostly I'm not. And they had a moment where they made a pick in the third round. 
and they have a camera inside the war room. Okay, so where all of the, you know, executives, top people in the organization are getting together, making phone calls, talking trades, coming up with all these decisions. After they make the pick, it's a look in on the Eagles war room. The pick's just in. The general manager's walking around. He's like, hey, man, bam, getting a fist bump. It goes over to this guy. Hey, man, bam. And he's getting a fist bump. Then he goes over to one guy at the end of the room who just mean, like, fist bumps him but mean mugs him. And you can literally see the GM going like, hey, why? What, what did I do wrong? What happened? <laughs> like, It's broadcast to everybody in America. <laughs> and you go like, sometimes the access, it kills you. But also, you can get really great moments out of it. You can get such fun little things, some cool peaks behind the curtain. Like, I want to play this for you real quick. So there was a little exchange with the Carolina Panthers, pretty new coaching staff, right? Second season, Matt Rule, rebuilding everything down there. They draft, I always want to say Chuba. It's Chuba because it's Chuba. I want to say Chuba Hubbard. It's Chuba Hubbard. But Chuba Hubbard gets drafted by the Carolina Panthers. And listen to this phone call. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. This, this is true. Oh, this is true. I got to tell you this, man. About 10 minutes ago, my wife texted me and said, please take Chuba Hubbard. So she speaks, it happens. We're excited to have you, man. <laughs> his wife's texting him during the draft hey can you imagine being in the middle of the draft room and like all the people that have ever like some guy you went to grade school with 30 years ago is suddenly texting you like hey man I know we don't talk much but you should draft this wide receiver I saw five minutes of YouTube highlights of call me back man we should hang out sometime like <laughs> nonsense that those guys must get hit up with during draft season and during the draft has to be off the charts. But that that cool little peak of his wife texted him and being really in and they draft Hubbard and you get that moment. Like, that's really cool, man. I mean, you do, you see it every year, but it is cool to really appreciate how much this thing does change people's lives. Like when I watch the draft, I really do enjoy that personal element of it. It's not just the players and the fits and the schemes and whatever, but there was a guy that was drafted in the second round. He's a lineman of Alabama, Landon Dickerson. And this guy, he's been injured a lot. He transferred. Like, he, he's just been through it. And in the second round, he gets the phone call. And he's talking. And he's talking, yeah, coach. Can't wait, coach. Really excited, coach. It's going to be great. And as they're having this conversation, one, his girlfriend was sitting next to him when he first got the call. And as it's going on, it goes on for a couple of minutes. She's sitting there. Then she goes, oh, wait. And she waves over to the mom and brings her over. And she moves over, lets the mom sit next to her son as he's getting this life-changing call. And she starts just breaking down. I mean, she's just weeping as he's on the phone getting this call. Like, think, you just don't always think about the journey that these people go on because it's not just the player, right? Like anybody that's successful for anything, whatever you've done, for me to get here in this seat, for you to get whatever job you've gotten, there are people along the way that sacrifice so much for you to be in those moments, to get those opportunities, and to be a football player like that. And the amount of times that as a kid, He's getting driven to practice on this day and that day, and they're buying him new gear, and he's growing out of his cleats, and he's getting dinged up, and now you're watching him play college ball, and he gets a bad season-ending injury and getting surgery and having to go through all of that stuff and just not knowing where any of this leads to get a call from an actual NFL team and go, we love you, we want you to be here, and here's a lot of money in the process. I mean, what a moment.
it's just it's really great to see those personal elements. And again, to watch that with the draft, I, I loved it. And there's a lot of calls you can see out there. Um, Mike Vrabel, for example, there was a call with Mike Vrabel on whatever kid. I'm not sure which kid this was that the Titans drafted, but he was on the phone with one of their guys. And first, the GM's on the phone. He's like, hey, it's John Robinson. Just want to let you know we're really excited to have you. You're a great player. And then Vrabel gets the phone. He's like, hey, man, yeah, uh, excited to get you. When you get here, man, like, enjoy it. But when you get here, we're going to kick your ass, man. It was like, (laughs) it was awesome. It's just a cool little moment from Mike Vrabel. So I I just love all those things. But if you want to get, if there are any personal moments like that 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 hit you over the course of the draft, happy to talk about it, 855-212-4227. That's how you can join the show, 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you on CBS Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. Now, the other thing is that as much as we've been talking about these nice moments, obviously a lot of the news this weekend has been turmoil. It has been chaos. It has been Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And how bad is this situation? Because a lot of times money solves the problem. That's just how it goes, right? It's Guys get annoyed about stuff. Yes, absolutely. Players might think about going to other places. Sure. But when the money shows up, everybody figures it out. And for Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if that's the case here. It doesn't seem like it. And that's the thing that's so fundamentally interesting about all of this, right? Like I can tell you that they should pay Aaron Rodgers. And earlier I was talking about it. They should pay Aaron Rodgers. Like that's obvious. Yes. Duh. He's the MVP of the league. He's a hall of famer. He's still got it. He's getting you to NFC championship game. So it's not just that he's giving you good play in the regular season. And then once you get past that, oh, well, he fizzles in the playoffs. Ah, he doesn't really quite have it anymore. One of the things, cause when I saw what happened this weekend, Naturally, you hear the Brett Favre comparisons. I started reading up on some stuff on when Brett Favre ultimately got traded to the Jets. And uh, we'll get Graceffo's take on that later. <laughs> no, but uh, when, when Favre got traded, one of the things that they cited at the time was, well, you know, Brett, they were winning games with him, but he wasn't exactly good in the playoffs anymore. And they had a lot of doubts about that. And so they just thought they would be better off moving on from. But you don't have that argument with Aaron Rodgers. So when he's giving you the playoff success, when he's giving you the best, some of the best play of his career as a player, when you look at how the league's changed and a guy that's 37 years old is old, but he's not so old anymore that you don't trade for him. He's not so old that it's prohibitive, that it's insane to talk about, hey, let's bring this guy in. He can still play. He can still play for four or five more years. He can play for, depending on how you want to believe Tom Brady and and whatever, and Rodgers is a better athlete than Brady is, then maybe he plays till he's 45. You could have eight years, eight years of some degree of quality Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's a lot of time. And so money is something that should solve this equation. But if it's personal, that's the thing that really is alarming. The idea that he wanted to go to San Francisco is as big of a red flag as you can possibly find. He wanted to leave. He's saying, take the trade. Take the number three pick in the draft and whatever else they're offering and get me out of here. Why does he want to go? If they can solve it, if they can sit down and negotiate this, I mean, there's always posturing, right? 
guys have a billion times. I really I can't tell you the number of times. It's not even worth researching because it will take you too long. The number of people that have said, hey, uh, I might sit out here if I don't get my way. I need a new deal. And then they figure it out. Like in the moment, we might go, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Because you have to ask the question. But you have a good feeling it's going to get done, and it does. Do you really feel that way with Aaron Rodgers? Because I don't. I really, this is one of the few times where I look at this and go, yeah, money's not necessarily going to fix the problem. If it's so personal that he needs the GM fired for him to come back, I don't know if he's coming back. Because if you're the Packers, can you fire your general manager? Like, what kind of message, if you want to talk about the problems of quarterbacks and the kind of power that they have, the influence that they have, how it's becoming more like the NBA as we see these different guys, Matthew Stafford getting his wish and they grant him out of town. Then you have Carson Wentz getting his way and getting out of town. Deshaun Watson was working on getting out of town. Russell Wilson exploring the market. Like all of these quarterbacks are getting to the point the momentum is changing where they have say, where they have influence. What happens if you fire the GM? Can you do that for Aaron Rodgers? Is that tenable? Is that reasonable? Does that ruin your franchise? Who do you get in? How much say does Aaron Rodgers have in who you replace? Have influence. What happens if you fire the GM? Can you do that for Aaron Rodgers? Is that tenable? Is that reasonable? Does that ruin your franchise? Who do you get in? How much say does Aaron Rodgers have in who you replace him with? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's an ugly road to go down. So, if they're not going to fire the general manager, and odds are they aren't. But if money can't solve the problem either, then this is a personal, personal element. Maybe it does lead to him retiring for a year. As much as it doesn't make sense. As much as you can't believe that he'll sit away from that much money. If he actually hates the Packers, if he actually doesn't want anything to do with a lot of people in that organization or the GM, and he hates the vision of it, if he's that bent out of shape and he has made enough money over the years, maybe he does sit. So these are just the kind of things you have to consider. Personal dynamics change everything. So 855-212-4227, that's how you join the show. I'm Vince Quinn with you on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go to Noel in the recently spurned San Francisco area. What's going on, Noel? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for calling um, in. One, I mean, I honestly really do feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, besides him just being a Bay Area kid and always rooting for him, right now it's about adding years on the contract and it's about adding money. But for the past three or four years, it was simply just give me help. It wasn't, I want money, it's, I want a receiver, whether it's through the draft or, you know, free agency. You could even draft a bust of a wide receiver. At least you're making the effort and you're showing them, you know, we're committed to you. Mm-hmm. But absolutely nothing. Like, at this point, if Rodgers walks, and I honestly think he's going to, is Packer fans are going to side with Rodgers walking than they are with the organization. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It's going to take years for them to fully win that kind of support back. If Jordan Love's okay, yeah, fine, he's okay. But he's not Aaron Rodgers. You you just have such an impossible standard to live up to 
that for a fan base to go and get on the side of management, which is hard enough as it is, you know, it, it's almost impossible here. Exactly. You see these players leave, and your instant thought for most of them is, oh, it's just greed. But for Rodgers, you're honestly like, dude, you should go. Fans will be writing to the Packers going, release them. Save the man. Do something. You, you had your chance. Now, you know, selfishly, give them to San Francisco. And I, I still he didn't hear what the trade offer was, but I saw rumors that it was the number three pick and yep. Jimmy and another pick. Yeah, and that's the thing is you're talking about solid value right there in the moment. It makes you it makes it easier to get past the trade because hey, yeah, we did just trade Aaron Rodgers, but also here's this guy we just drafted at number three. Isn't he fantastic? And like now you can move it along, now you can sell it a little better. So it just makes it a weird spot like this where you go, okay, maybe we trade him in August or June or whatever, and now you have to go through this whole season with Jordan Love, and you can talk about the picks, but the picks are still coming down the line. So it, it's just a harder sell that way. And again, that's the problem. Noel, I appreciate it, man. Let's go to uh, Steven in Jacksonville. Steven, what's up? Hey, uh, being a Cowboy fan and you being an Eagle fan, you know, normally you don't trade within your division. I've got my own thoughts on that, on the trade there where you took Smith and we took Parsons. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Well, yeah, here's, here's the situation for Dallas. They looked at it, they go, okay, we know that Devontae Smith is going to be in the N- NFC East. We just know. The Giants want a wide receiver. He's going to be the guy. So we have the choice of either sitting back and watching Devontae Smith go to the Giants and we just take our guy, or you trade with the Eagles, you get something back for it, and once you get that something back, well, now you still deal with the same guy in the division. So nothing changes. Now you get picks. For Dallas, it made a lot of sense. I was I was shocked that the move happened too, but once you think about it, it it's obvious. I mean, it's, they they made the right decision. Well, I agree with that 100%. And I actually think, you know, both teams needed cornerbacks. You guys also needed a wide receiver. And everybody, all the talking heads in Dallas were, you know, one of the two cornerbacks who were both taken. I think the Cowboys wanted Parsons from day one. And the reason being is if you could ever get Vander Esch and Smith and all three of those guys healthy and get Smith working right, because Smith's already proven he cannot – he cannot be the lead guy. And now that we don't have Sean Lee, who's been great for us, but has been slow-footed the last two or three years, the Cowboys have a chance to have a linebacker core similar to the Ravens or to the Steelers, and you can you know, stop the run and cover the, the slant passes and things like that and change the whole dynamics of our defense. Well, yeah, they clearly love doing that, Stephen, and thanks for the call, man. Dallas loves themselves some linebackers. I, I knew there was no doubt that Micah Parsons was going to go to Dallas, and for me, that's, the thing is now, I watch the draft, and as much as I like looking around the league and figuring out, like, okay, who's a good fit here? You know, San Francisco, who are they going to take and why, and what does that look like? I, I love that pick, by the way. But I look at it so selfishly now. I'm just like, all right, who can these teams take? Like, what is the best possible option for me to get the guy that I want? I was thrilled with the draft this year. I, I've had a lot of questions over the years. But this year, I was like, man, Devontae Smith, you kidding me? Yeah, this is a home run. So, good work, Eagles. Good work. Uh, here's something I want to get to next, by the way. Because the Houston Texans going into the draft... I don't know if you know their situation for the draft specifically or just anything related to the Houston Texans because it's all bad. It's all bad. And as bad as things are with their first draft choice, it looked like things have gotten a little bit worse. So we're going to talk about that on the other side. I'm Vince Quinn with you on CBS Sports Radio. 
You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Thinking about changing my name to Michael Carter, I'll be the third Michael Carter in New York. I love that story. It was so, it's just so simple and so dumb and so funny. For the Jets to draft two guys in the same draft named Michael Carter. The first one is just Michael Carter, and the second one is named Michael Carter II. That's peak comedy. I mean, that's those guys are going to be tied together for forever now. Like, it's just I, the dumb jokes around the facility as they're walking through the locker room. Hey, Mike. Yeah, no, not you. Michael Carter. No, not you. The other Michael Carter. <laughs> it's, just, it's going to be so stupid. As the kids would say, LOL. Exactly. It's peak comedy. It really is. I mean, I just, I love that story. Other story. By the way, I saw this tonight. This is, un- well, it's totally believable, but it's hysterical. Did you see the score of the Pacers-Thunder game, Graceffo? Did you see the score of that? I did, and the NBA product is just great. Every This regular season NBA, you just can't get enough of it. Oh, no. I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they are must-watch television. By the way, respecting the game. I mean, they really respect the sport. They care a lot about the integrity of the game. You got to love it. I mean... When you see a score, I mean, this is a team that just broke a 14-game winning streak, a losing streak, the other day. So you know they're they're that they're on high alert to you know <laughs> they're at home for God's sake. Oh, that's the thing that's so great about like, it. Like I can't even I can't even joke about it. Like it's so. Oh, I can I can joke about they, this for hours. They're at home this and is, they lose by 50. They lost. Yeah, they, they lost. Okay, final score of this game: Indiana Pacers 152 on the road. The Oklahoma City Thunder, 95. It wasn't like the Nets went into Oklahoma City either and drubbed them by 50. The Pacers stink. (laughs) They're totally forgettable. They're such an average, forgettable NBA team. And for them to come in and set an all-time, all-time NBA record for lopsided home loss, which was 57 points. Uh-huh. That's amazing. I mean, how many games have been played in the history of basketball? How many games in I'd the NBA? Lot. Right? Like, how many years old is the NBA at this point? Uh, I think I would think close to 75. That's the thing, right? Like, it's been around for a long time now. So, for the league to be as old as it is, and for all of those regular season games, and, like, Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell and going all the way back to that, and, like, up to now... 57 points at home. Well, again, Vince, this, this, this is like, you know, they, they know the product doesn't matter. Like, these guys know the product. Like, it doesn't matter to them. The, what is the only thing the Thunder care about? Oh, yeah. Well, they care about the 5,000 draft 5 picks. million draft picks yeah. that they've accumulated. So what do you think they're going to put out there every night? Like, okay. Slow. Like, they're just spitting in the face of the integrity of the regular season the integrity of the league, the integrity of me, you, and everyone else involved. It's just, can he do better than lose by 50 at home? Like, that's all. 
Like we but know what you, we know what we know what you're doing. Oh, they won this week. Yeah, they beat okay, the Celtics. Okay, they won this week is not an like that's an accomplishment for them though. Right, they, won they beat this week. the Celtics this week. Okay, so that's something. So like something. They, it's in them. <laughs> it's in them to not lose by fifty <laughs> at home. But it's but that's also right in their wheelhouse. Like I lived through the process Sixers. I went to games to watch a team that won like nineteen games in a full regular season. I know how awful it can look on the court, and to say it's another sport entirely is an understatement. Like those well, teams are again, so atrociously bad. This is they. We know what they're doing. They've made it very clear. We all know what they're doing. They just haven't like put a sign up in neon lights saying we're trying to lose like the Sixers did. Like, that's the only difference. Yeah, they just haven't come out and said it. That's the only difference. And that's why the league hasn't really done anything, and they just pile up all these picks, and they're doing the right thing. Like, Hinky was right, and tanking is the right thing to do as long as you keep your mouth shut. That's the moral of the story. Which he didn't. Which he didn't, but now the, the Thunder And he'll never are. work in the league again. And he won't. And the Thunder now, they're going to do this, and Sam Presti could stick around and have every first-round draft pick from between now and 2032. But when Adam Silver sees these games on national te- and God forbid if the Pacers and Thunder was ever on national television. <laughs> but you see these games that are on national television where, you know, the stars aren't playing and he gets games like this. Like, you're just telling everybody your regular season is meaningless. Like, <laughs> and what more can you say? Everybody generally agrees it is. Like, that's the problem. You know, the playoff basketball is great, and I'll watch regular season games, but you do know it doesn't matter, and everybody operates like that. It's just, it's the weird problem of the business outgrowing the sport. Because when it starts, and it's like, yeah, this is a sport. Like, let's just play a bunch of games, and let's figure out who's the best, and then let's have a playoffs and really decide everything. But now it's like, yeah, there's clearly too many regular season games. Your star players don't want to play, and people take nights off. Like, teams just decide to go into a place and sleepwalk and whatever. So you live in that life, but... Do you shorten games so that everybody plays? Well, God, no, because you're costing yourself money. So the sport, the business of the sport forces you to have games that are terrible, which on some level hurt the legitimacy of the sport and hurt your business. Like it's, it's weird how the whole thing ties together, but ultimately it makes sense. It just games like this to happen where you lose by 57 points at home and set an all-time NBA record for the hundreds of thousands of regular season games that have been played in the history of this league. Like, this is an all-time bad loss. That's something. And the Oklahoma City Thunder will collectively look at this game and go, okay, what's happening tomorrow? Like, that's it. It's just like, all right, we'll, we'll all learn next. from it. You know, we'll try to get better, you know, when we're out there again on Tuesday. <laughs> I wonder what the – man, I should have looked into the press, uh, the post-game press conference. What do you say? What do you say as a coach? Nothing, that's it, right? Nothing. It's just, yeah. You know, we, just, we move on to Tuesday. We're working hard. We're just, everybody here is working hard. All these young <laughs> players are giving it their all. You lost by 57. 57 at home. But everybody's everybody's trying their best. Uh, that's all that matters. It's all that matters. But like the point is, you're not. You lost by sixty, at home. And these poor guys. Like, here's the other thing too of this. There are some guys that are getting their careers actively ruined right now. These fringe guys that are playing significant minutes for the Thunder. Nobody wants to sign them. 
Like, you're taking this opportunity now because it's, it's a chance to play some minutes, but when you're getting run off the floor and embarrassed like this on a Your team Your heart's really totally bleeding garbage, for Al Horford there? Not Al Horford. His career, his career is a totally different kind of over. But when you're talking about young guys that nobody's heard of that are just getting a, a lucky break here, it feels like it. But then when you're on the Oklahoma City Thunder you're not appealing to well, other you teams. You know they they have like five, four or five guys that they know they're keeping that they're that they've invested high draft picks in, and you know, like Lou Dort is a player. Well, yeah, Dort is going to stay. So, but some of these other nameless rotational, like, and, and going back to the, this is one of my favorite quotes from the Sixers tanking era. These gypsies was a word that Brett Brown used. He's like, oh, we got these gypsies coming in and out. It was it was hilarious. It was one of the funniest things ever. But it's like a, the the arena's a hostel. Yeah. <laughs> Just these guys circling in and out. And he had, I mean, like a hundred different players in three years or something insane. It was crazy. So when you've got all these guys that are coming and going, yeah, like those guys, you show up, you play for the Thunder, your reputation gets ruined. People have no interest in signing you. And now you got to re-earn everything. You're going to the G League, going overseas, whatever it is. Like these guys, because <laughs> losing by 57 at home does not make you an appealing player. It just doesn't. Now, we're coming to you live for the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need certainty of the home buying process with a loan that fits your life. Rocket can. Uh, another trend that I noticed in the NFL, this was one of those things. It was, it was getting a little bit of reporting, and rightfully so. You saw a lot of pairs with the NFL draft this year, especially in the first round, particularly in the first round. What are the pairs? What does that mean? Um, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengal, went to LSU. Number five overall pick in the draft. They take Jamar Chase, wide receiver, LSU. They're reunited. That's a pair. Um, Trevor Lawrence, number one pick in the draft, goes to Jacksonville. I think around 25 in the back end of the first round. Travis Etienne, running back of Clemson, joins Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. That's a pair. You had um, Jalen Waddle of the Dolphins gets drafted. Alabama, now playing with Tua from Alabama. Devontae Smith from Alabama, playing with Jalen Hurts, who at one point was with Alabama. You've got all of these pairs that are popping up. And on some level, now some of these guys have power and some of them don't. Like, I don't think Tua can really sit and go to management and go, listen, guys, I need an Alabama guy. (laughs) You know, I don't know what kind of weight he holds. I don't think Jalen Hurts has that kind of weight either. But when you look at Joe Burrow, when you look at Trevor Lawrence, you do wonder a little bit, right? Don't you wonder a little bit about what kind of weight they had in that decision? Because if they're making those kind of calls this early, where you're talking about picks in the first round, I mean, for Jamar Chase, that's a top five pick in the NFL draft, okay? They overlooked Sewell, who... If you hit on an offensive lineman, those guys are on your team for like 15 years, 17 years. Linemen can play for a long time. And that kind of stability is ridiculously valuable. Wide receivers, how many of them play their whole careers in some place? How many of them come and go? You know, a lot of a lot of guys, maybe they get to the second contract. After that, they hit 30, they're gone. It's just a different animal. If he's got the kind of say where he's breaking the tie, if it is one, you know, there's something to be said for having that kind of say this early. 
for Trevor Lawrence as he's getting drafted, knowing that he was going to be the guy from the moment that he said he was leaving Clemson, knew he was going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. If he's got any kind of weight where he's making decisions on a first-round pick and he hasn't literally even played a snap for them yet, it's one of those things where you look at where the quarterback position is going. And we mentioned this earlier because, again, it's important when you think about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers' situation, in part, has to do with his say as a quarterback, his value to the franchise, his voice in the franchise. That's part of it. They didn't tell him that Jordan Love was going to get drafted. He probably didn't know they were interested in a quarterback, period. So when Jordan Love gets drafted, he feels upset by that. They're not talking to him. He doesn't have any say in this equation. Hey, Aaron, how long do you think you're going to be around for? If we were to do a quarterback and say we groomed him for a year or two, is that okay? Like, no, 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 no. Just didn't ask him. They made the pick. Now he's mad. You saw Deshaun Watson before everything went sideways for him begging to get out of town. Russell Wilson begging to get out of town on some degree. You're seeing quarterbacks have power. They're gaining their say. You look around the NBA, it is becoming NBA-like. It's getting there. Now, it's a long way from being LeBron James in the big three in Miami, but you can see the trend moving, and it's one of those trends that makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? Look at the value we place on quarterbacks. Is there any position that's more important? Is there any position that's more valuable? Not just as a player, but just as a person. I mean, everybody knows quarterbacks. They're very valuable commodities. To get them to sponsor a product is going to cost you more money than it is for basically anybody else. Quarterbacks are worth a lot. And so for these guys to look around and go, hey, uh... I'm the guy that literally everybody in the building knows about. I know casual fans know about me. People buy my jersey. I sell more than anybody else in this building. My face is on the tickets. My face is on the side of the stadium. When you walk around the halls of this place, there's pictures of me and the games that I won. Well, I'm going to have some saying things now, fellas. Isn't that fair? Like, is that not surprising? Is that wrong? I'm surprised it's taken so long. For the NBA to be the way it's been. I'm surprised that we're really now starting to see that with quarterbacks. And when you look at this, and if you if you believe on some level, and I do, that Joe Burrow has a say in Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell, if you believe that Trevor Lawrence has some say in Travis Etienne over anybody else that Jacksonville could have drafted, I mean, they're a wide-open place. There's a lot of talent they could add. They have running backs. They had a talented rookie at running back literally last year in James Robinson. Great surprise. Fun player. If he's got to wait in that kind of decision at the start, at ground zero here, I mean, he hasn't played yet. If he's got that kind of say now, where does it go? So when you see it with Aaron Rodgers, when you see it with all those other quarterbacks, and now you're seeing this next generation come in, and now they've got this kind of say, times they are changing, folks. Times they are changing. So, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. If you want to get in, talk about anything we've been hitting on here, 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn, by the way. You might be like, man, this guy is a genius. I need to follow him. Well, yes, that's it's quite easy to do, and thank you so much. You're very kind. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. That's all one word, It's Vince Quinn. You can also find me on Instagram where 
Uh, people have been DMing me on Instagram all of a sudden. So there you go. I'm blowing up, baby. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. So, the Kentucky Derby happened yesterday. Uh, a horse won. I don't know which horse, but a horse won. I gotta say this: like, I don't, I don't. I know there's a conversation. Like, if I wanted to be Mister Sports Hot Take guy, I could come out here. And, and the, it's a simple thing. It's very simple. It's very dumb. It's very easy. But I hear this kind of thing. People that like to. Just say something to get a little rise out of you. You know, they'll throw something out there once in a while that really gets you going. And the simple one that always triggers people is a horse and athlete. Like, I could, I could get into all that stuff and really drive people nuts. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, will not, we will not have that discussion here. But as much as I don't, I don't buy into all that stuff, <laughs> I, I don't buy into it all. I, I love going to a horse race. I will say that. Like the Kentucky Derby is a, <laughs> the Kentucky Derby is like a that's a destination for me. Like that's a bucket list event. You know, I've been to the Belmont Stakes, being in the New York area, doing these shows and all. I've been around, so I've been able to get out to Belmont and see a couple of races. Like I saw the first time I've ever been to a horse race in my life. I saw American Pharaoh win the Triple Crown. Now. I don't like I, I get the historical significance of all of that just in how rare it is. Again, I don't want to get into like horse accomplishments and whatever, but um I You're being, a loser. Well, I am. Uh but being at the race was all, like the thrill of betting on a horse and watching those races go every 40 minutes or so is pretty awesome. To arbitrarily just be like, oh, this horse has a funny name and it's ten to one odds. Let me get in on this. That's a thrill. That is a thrill. And learning the ins and outs of horse betting and how that all works. You go to the booth and you're like, hey, give me this on that and this on that. And they I don't look know, at you. man. Yeah, they're, they're like, I don't know what you just said. I don't, I don't think know, those man. are actually bets. But I try. And I, go, I don't like, know, man. I, like, I, I kind of just like try to point to the window or go to somebody behind me. Like, please make this bet for me. But, but once you figure it out and you do get it going, it is a great, like, have you ever been to a, an event like that, Graceffo? You ever been to a horse race? No. Oh, dude, it's fun. It's fun. You dress I'm all up. right. I'll stay at home. No, you dress up. You have a couple of beers. You know, it, it's... I can do that at a bar. It's just fine. Well, do you... Do you come on. I want to see you classy at a bar then at like four in the morning. Yeah, what, do you, what do you define as classy? Uh, suit. I, I, mean, I don't own a suit. Suit. I don't you, own a suit. Wait, you literally don't own a suit? No. You don't own a suit? No, I do not. Never? Wow. Really? Yeah, no, it's a goal of mine to never own a suit. It's a goal of yours to, like, well, what about, like, going to weddings and stuff? I don't have any friends. I'm here with you on Saturday nights. I have friends, though. I'm here. I have friends. I have friends to get invited to weddings when I'm here every Saturday night. I would hope so, yes. 
You no. Have, you have no, you've never been invited to a wedding from a friend of yours. I have. So what do you wear? Uh, like a sport coat. Okay. Man, I got to get you a suit. That's fine. Do I got to get you that. a suit. I don't. We're getting you a suit and we're going to the Belmont Stakes together. I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> okay. But I, I've got like eight suits now because I go to these weddings and they're like, you got to buy the suit. So I'm like, all right, I guess I, I'm going to have three blue suits now. <laughs> You know what I need as a radio host that works part-time? I need three dark blue suits. I'm trying to find me a sugar daddy. Can you help? Like, I'm on the opposite end of this problem. Again, I feel like I'm the smart person here because I know the line of work I'm in, and I don't own a suit. So there. No, but they sometimes when you do these weddings, like if you're a groomsman, I've been a groomsman a couple of times. Never have. And never they, will. they tell you to, yeah, I've been deep in it. I've been a best man a couple of times. I've been in a grooms, groomsman a bunch of times. Uh, I've actually been the officiant. I've said weddings. Like I have actually performed a wedding ceremony three or four times. I should know the exact you're number. You're a loser. Um, but I did it three or four times for, for a couple of people. So, I've done weddings. Like, I'm deep in the wedding scene, if you will. But there are times where people say, no, if you're going to be a groomsman, we're all buying this suit, and we will get you the tailored version of that suit. So now I've got, like, and I was like, I already have a dark blue suit, but it no. It's like a horrible experience. It's, <laughs> it's like just the, one of those things you are all eat. together, and you're like, uh, we're all going to go fit in this suit. We're all going to to the well, tailor. No, that's the, being there with people and having a time. Like, I want to be alone. That can be fun. <laughs> I want to be in my house alone. Well, you're on track for that, pal. I want to be in the bar alone. That's it. I don't want to be around anybody. No, I'm a social creature. I like being that's around you. people. Yes. But I don't, I, but I'm also a broke and cheap creature. You know what I mean? Like, that's my problem is I get invited all this stuff and then it's like, all right, well, you're getting married. That's great. But now I got to go to the like engagement party. Then you're buying the suits. Then you're going to the bachelor party. Then I, like you're just spending so much cash to do all of this stuff that like, I like, feel like. Like what's where, where's the positive here? So I'm like with people. I'm at a tailor. I'm <laughs> losing money. Like you're not mentioning a positive. Well, no, that none of those things. I mean, generally you look good. So in there suit. are no positives. No, the positives you? are you can look pretty good in a suit. Okay, great. Just saying. I can look fine in a sweatshirt. Like I do right now. Oh, come on. You go to a wedding. Because here's the thing. Weddings, I mean, they do set a good stage. Yeah, no, sure. That's all I'm saying. James Graceffo walks into a wedding in a suit, and I'm a young lady looking to copulate. I mean, I, I might be attracted. That's a word. I might be I attracted. That word. That's a it's a radio friendly word. It's a good one. Um, but copulate, yeah, I, I might do that. I might if I see James Graceffo in a suit at a wedding, and I'm a nice young lady. Maybe sure. It, it just sets the expectation, man. But anyway, this was all in the idea of the, no suit. the Kentucky Derby uh, and, and getting dressed up and how cool that is. But, yeah, if you've never been to a race, like, even if you watch it on TV and you're like, oh, it's horses racing, what's the big deal? Like, I don't blame you because that's generally, like, I don't, I don't, if it hap, if I'm out somewhere or I'm with people and they happen to put it on, I'll watch the race. Who uh, cares? Not me. Yeah, otherwise, that's pretty much where I'm at. But when you go... It's like how people, some people are with hockey. They're like, oh, hockey on TV, whatever. But hockey in person, and I, I like both. But, man, yeah, being at a race, being at a track for a big event like that is totally worth it if you can get there. So I'll try to get to the Kentucky Derby at some point. Um, this, I, I, oh, man, I'm, I don't even know if we're doing this enough justice in the couple of minutes I got left for this. It's Tebow time. It is Tebow time, damn it. He's back, baby. 
He's back. I mean, how great of a poetic situation is this? That Tim Tebow, who's been just wasting away in baseball for all of these years. I mean, let's be honest. The Mets used him as a novelty act for a long period of time, trying to find a way to drag this guy into the pros in hopes that they could get people in the seats. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted the pro Tebow story so damn bad, and they didn't get it because he's not a good enough player. And they let it go on for years. Years. Now, on some level, I respect Tebow. I do. For him to be presented with the idea of, hey, you're not a quarterback, but we think you're a tight end. If you want to play football, you got to be a tight end. And he's like, you know, I would rather play another sport entirely than not play quarterback. He gave it a go. He gave it a go. I mean, that guy was riding buses, okay? He's an analyst on ESPN. Like, he's getting paid, okay? He's making money. He's sitting on a bus going to Sioux Falls or something just because just because he believes in the dream. Like, that's admirable. Plenty of guys go, ah, if I didn't make it in this sport, it is what it is, and, like, I'll just go be an accountant now or whatever they do. But he went for it. He tried to live the dream. Now, it didn't work, and so now here he is crawling back and trying to get back into the NFL. But when you're in a situation where Tim Tebow is finally deciding that, hey, you know, maybe I'll give this tight end thing a shot, and to do it with Urban Meyer... As the head coach in Jacksonville? Like, that's a great story. That is a great story. Now, I don't know if he'd be any good. I don't know what... I'll say this. The fact that he's been playing baseball is a good sign for him. It's a totally different sport. It's a different kind of shape. But he's been working out constantly. It's not like, oh, well, Tim Tebow didn't work out as a quarterback. Yeah, he's been at home. And he's been bouncing around. And... I don't know. He's been working at like a Fuddruckers and eating the burgers that people send back. And now he's got 500 pounds on him. And now he's decided, oh, let me get my life together. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to get back into the NFL and figure my thing is out. Like, no, no, no. He's been active and in shape and been living the life of a professional athlete. So for him to go at this, I mean, I'm skeptical. But I could see it. If I squint a little bit, I can see it. I mean, it's it's Urban Meyer It's a bad team in Jacksonville. Can you at least put Tim Tebow on a 90-man camp roster and give him some time to see what he looks like? Like, come on. Well, he's going to be on the 90-man camp roster. Right. Like, there's no doubt about it. He's got to be. Yeah, no. But to to think he's going to be one of the four best tight ends on a 53-man roster, I mean, we're wasting our time. Probably, yeah. No, not probably. Not probably. We're, we're wasting our time. Here's the one thing that I could say that would add to his value. At 33 years old, he's never played the position in his life. Yeah. With stone hands. I saw this. I watched this guy try to catch passes. When? For my team. When they tried this. Wait, they, he tried out the tight end for no, the No, they did some goofy stuff where they had him line up here and they threw him a ball once in a while. Because they thought they were going to trick people. Wildcat stuff. Is yeah, no his goofy crap. He's not a wildcat quarterback. No, this is goofy crap where they lined him up and they said, "Oh, we'll have we'll like run fake punts with him, and then the punter will throw him the ball." <laughs> this really happened, and he couldn't catch then. Oh man, the Jets! You gotta love it. You gotta love this, it. This is a waste of time. Urban Meyer's doing him a favor. He's doing him a favor for and sure. And they know that like some people will show up to training camp to see him. That's it. 
If it, and once again, how would you feel if you were a rookie tight if you were a rookie free agent tight end, and you came into Duval, Florida, to try to win a job in jet for the Jaguars, and you saw Tim Tebow here as a sideshow? You got to be kidding me! If you were a rookie free agent tight end busting your butt at 22 years old trying to win a job, and the because he's his, the coach's buddy, he gets a free shot. Give me a break. Yeah, it's a joke. Tim, you want to be the team chaplain? Be the team chaplain. You want to be you want to be a coach on the sideline who does nothing? Do that. Don't market yourself as a sideshow tight end. He's allowed to try. He's allowed to try. It's just they got to cut him. When he's not good enough, they got to cut him.